Welcome to the Red Circle Gazette. You look at Archie Comics World of Superheroes, featuring the digital and print series, The New Crusaders. We have all the news, reviews, and items of interest that fans of the series and the universe will love. So sit back, relax, and spend a little time inside the Red Circle Universe. Welcome to the third episode of the Red Circle Gazette. This time I have a review of episode three of The New Crusaders, a look at The Lost Crusade, Episode 1, some news you can use, and a special subscription offer for the New Crusaders print series. So let's get this started with some news. The first issue of The New Crusaders, Rise of the Heroes, hits comic shops nationwide on September 5th. Mark your calendar for Saturday, September 8th, when writer Ian Flynn and artist Athela Martinez join variant cover artist Ryan Jampool at the Midtown Comics downtown location in New York City. From 1 to 2 o'clock, there will be signing, along with Athilla doing sketches for kids. A purchase of the first issue is required to receive a free sketch, and there's one per customer, time allowing. And that is the downtown location, not the Times Square location. You can visit the Midtown Comics blog at blog.midtowncomics.com for more information. And I'm very excited right now to share with you a very special offer Archie has provided me to get you to subscribe to the New Crusaders comic book line. When it launches on September 5th, there's a cover price of $2.99 an issue. So over the course of a year, you're looking at $35.88 to get all 12 issues. Normally, Archie offers a subscription of $22.50 a year. But now, until September 30th, if you enter the offer... Shield S H I E L D at the checkout with the New Crusader subscription in your cart, you will receive a one year 12 issue subscription for $15.49. That's saving you over $20 off a cover price. I took advantage of this special offer and I'm looking forward to getting my first issue soon. And I encourage all budget conscious readers to look into it as well. Again, that's S.H.I.E.L.D. at checkout, and it expires September 30th, 2012. Episode 3, Act 1. We start off with the S.H.I.E.L.D. waking up, prepping himself for the day. He's talking to himself in the mirror, very Boogie Nights-esque, saying, they need you to do this, Joe. You need to do this. There's no time for them to be children anymore. You see some of the scars from past supervillain battles that crease his back and arms. He wakes the kids up, and they're not too happy about being awoken at such an early hour of 7 o'clock in the morning. Once the children are assembled, he starts to brief them that today they're going to start learning about their legacy, and they're going to start giving them their powers. Fireball actually makes a very forced-feeling comment showing how rebellious he is. But the shield blows it off, and he takes Jaguar to go get her powers while sending Fly Girl to Dusty. Dusty sets up a portal that allows Fly Girl to go to the moon, almost a modern station to prevent alien attacks. There he meets Bob Phantom, Deep Planar Watch, and he was expecting her, and he's kind of surprised that the Mighty Crusaders are all dead, but... He handles it pretty well. Meanwhile, the Jaguar and the Shield go into the museum, and he opens up the Jaguar's outfit, takes out the helmet, and gives it to a vet. 
She puts it on and she's instantly teleported to another plane where a giant god named Ayapak is waiting. And he states, it's been too long since a sacrifice has been made to me. And that's where the first act ends. Act two picks up immediately with the jaguar confronting the demigod. He's not very impressed with her uh, lack of courage as she bawls, cries, and tries to run away. The shield seems to be getting an impression that things may not be going right, and he goes up to her and says, if you can hear me, stay brave and soldier on. Then he comes back to the boys and takes Wyatt, and explains that he will be the only member of the team without superpowers, and Wyatt tries to explain that that's not entirely accurate. This is a very well-written scene right here, where the shield kind of doesn't get what Wyatt's trying to say. When he finally explains that he has superpowers, the shield responds with a almost disbelieving really now statement. And he explains how his strand sense works, including seeing all the boys in the other room. But he's confused about the girls, where one looks like she launched into space and the other one she's not really getting a good impression of. This, of course, is actually what's going on with the girls, and the shield realizes that he has powers. But these powers will not be enough to take on supervillains. They're not going to stop bullets or stop knives or whatnot. So they have a special suit for Wyatt to wear. It's based off of the shield's own, and it amplifies the wearer's physical abilities by tenfold. And, of course, Wyatt instantly picks up and starts getting into all the techno babble that the shield doesn't really care for. The shield goes and gets the last three boys, Fireball, Comet, and Steel Sterling, and brings them to a laboratory where he explains that their parents got their powers through freak accidents, but here in the laboratory they were able to reproduce them in controlled situations, and he shows the Comet and Fireball two tubes that they're especially designed to give them the powers of their parents. Steel Sterling has a question, and the shield walks off and explains that this giant tub of nanotech solution is going to be his, that he's going to dunk him in in measured mounts to give him his powers. But while his back's turned, Fireball and Comet pick up the test tubes and drink the fluids down and make some comments about now they're ready to go kick Brain King's ass. The shield pretty much freaks out, it was, and it was a topical application. They were supposed to be a series of inoculations to give the power slowly. They weren't supposed to be induced through the throat and digested immediately. Both boys quickly collapse. And if that's not enough, someone is screaming and the shield is starting to freak out. And that's the end of Act 2. Episode 3 begins right where the previous one left off. Steel Sterling's helping to keep Fireball and Comet from having seizures, from biting off their own tongues. The shield runs off past Dusty in the hallway, and he's going to go find the jaguar who's screaming so hysterically from the trophy room. He gets there, and she's rolling around on the ground, screaming in agony. She takes the helmet and flings it, and almost hits the shield, and she collapses. This shows the shield, what he does next is... Uh, almost reinforces the point that they're trying to make in here that he's old and out of touch. His reaction is to ask her what happened and to give her back the helmet and say, well, now you know what to expect. You can go back in there and do it right. And she slaps it out of her hand and says she's not going to. And she just wants to be left alone. Wyatt's been watching this whole thing from the other side of some doors. And the shield sees him and tells him to go in there, be with her while he can go help... Uh, 
a common in Fireball, and he, he he's very unsure why it. He goes in and he's uh he doesn't know, really know what to do, and the shield states more to himself that all the insight and powers in the world mean nothing if the kid won't act. It must be very disheartening for the shield to see all these things going wrong, the digesting of the formula in the wrong way, the giving up of the Jaguar, not being able to talk, Wyatt's indecision. Uh, he talks to Dusty about this, and you know Dusty's turning out to be the smartest guy in this entire comic book. And he tells him it's been 80 years since you've been a teenager. You didn't, couldn't expect these things to happen, but you have to continue on with it. The S.H.I.E.L.D. goes back and talks to Steel Sterling and says, don't let what just happened you know, affect your choices about being a superhero. But Steel Sterling makes some good points about how their parents got their powers from accidents. And he wants to know how you can quantify and reproduce an accident. And he also states that, I want to avenge my parents and become a hero, but I also want to live to be 18. And with that, he states he's not going to become a new crusader, and the S.H.I.E.L.D. could not have gotten this off on a worse foot. Act 4 begins with the S.H.I.E.L.D. calling Steel Sterling a coward as he walks away. He continues to go after him, and Dusty stops him. The S.H.I.E.L.D. again shows that he's kind of out of touch with logical thinking in this whole situation. He's angry at Dusty for allowing him to walk off, and Dusty explains that he's afraid. He watched two of his peers nearly die, and his family was murdered two days ago, and they can only take so much. The S.H.I.E.L.D. walks back into the trophy room and looks at a photo of the classic lineup, and then they show a very nice splash page of all the heroes and their hair appearance. You have the Comet, you have Fireball, you have Steel Sterling, you have the Fly, you have the Jaguar, and in the very last panel, Fly Girl. What's Wait, Fly Girl? That's right. She's up in the uh, orbital station. So they swing back and uh, give us a look at what's going on with her. And she's still out there with Bob Phantom getting a, a tour of the place. And they get on this little platform and shoot up, and it looks kind of like a big wall of lockers. They go up into the sky, and one opens, and there is her new, not a costume, but it, it's a harness that replicates the Fly Girl's powers. So she puts it on and she can fly around, she gets wings, she gets physical stats boosted, she has a weapon that files a paralyzing beam, and with that, it's over. Bob Phantom says, that's all I can do for you, you're on your way, and now I'm going to send you back to Earth, and I'm going to continue to guard Vigil here in case there's another alien invasion. Fly Girl hugs him and thanks him for everything, and... Quite frankly, if you're a grown man hugging an underaged girl a million miles away from anywhere, he does the right thing and just kind of has his hands up and very clear that he's not copping a feel or anything, if you know what I mean. But he seems pretty happy with it. And then Fly Girl leaves and she comes back full of uh, spirit and invigoration saying, oh, he's uh, awesome, he's really nice, he's alone up there, we should visit him. I got my powers, I'm ready to train with the rest of the team and, uh, hey, where is everybody? Well, the S.H.I.E.L.D. classic line here says, they're either unconscious or traumatized. And she says, I, I don't understand what went wrong. Uh, I thought we would be a team by the time I got back. And at the moment, the S.H.I.E.L.D. and Fly Girl are all that is the team. At this point, they switch to Impact City, the federal records room, where someone clearly under some sort of mind control approaches the brain emperor with a handful of sheets of paper. The Brain Emperor takes one, unfolds it, and it's the Impact City layout plans. The town clerk 
just sitting there, very creepy, blood coming out of his eyes. Brain Emperor says, this will do. And he collapsed into a heap of bloody mess. So that's episode three. Overall, what do I feel? It was a transitional episode where you're trying to convey to the readers that, yes, these are going to be superheroes, but they're also kids, and they have to go through some experiences. They're going to be unsure right off the bat. They're not going to come in and be super heroic right away. They do a nice balance of conveying this information while also having forward progress towards the eventual donning of the suits and becoming a group, which I feel at this point everyone is, knows is going to happen. I think a lot of the humor and dialogue rang true. There was only one real spot where Fireball has this whole big elaborate joke about too much starch in the pants going up the shield's butt, and that didn't really feel uh, organic to me. But everything else flowed super smooth and was very enjoyable. Probably the only thing I could say I didn't really enjoy about this issue was the very last page with Brain Emperor. His uh, little cohort there from Town Hall who he had under mind control, the blood coming out of the eyes while striking to me, seemed a little too much for this type of comic, at least from what I had thought it was going to be. It's something I looked to share with my seven-year-old son, and that image, I think, just may be a touch too strong for him. A little too violent. I think they could have done it a little less over-the-top gory. But other than that, another great episode, and now we're starting to get rolling, and I think the next up issue here, uh, which would be number four, is going to be very good as we finally get some costumes on these kids and we start to see some superheroics out of them. This is my review of The Lost Crusade, Episode 1, The Untold Stories of the World's Greatest Heroes. Now, as I'm sure you're aware, this comic will be featured in the odd weeks where there's not a new Crusaders episode presented to subscribers, and it gives a chance to fill in the gaps between the 1980s Red Circle line of comic books and the new Crusaders relaunch earlier this year. This first episode, The Prelude, shows Roy approaching the offices of MLJ to talk with one Dustin Simmons, a secret agent who was first seen in episode 2, Acts 1 and 2, as he takes the children of the superheroes and presents them to the S.H.I.E.L.D. for training purposes. Now Roy used to be known as Roy the Superboy, and he was the sidekick of the Wizard. He was introduced in Top Notch number 8 in 1940, and really hasn't been seen much since then. If you're not familiar with Dustin Simmons, he used to be known as Dusty the Boy Detective, and he was the S.H.I.E.L.D. sidekick and was introduced in Pep Number 11 in 1941. Dustin Simmons was just kind of thrown out there in Episode 2 without any backstory. You kind of had a feeling that he was involved with the heroes somehow, but you didn't quite know what. Even I didn't pick up on it right away because they changed Dusty into Dustin and it just didn't click in my mind when I read it. So you see Roy coming in. And there's some formalities, uh, greetings and such, that they haven't seen each other in such a long time. Dustin is presenting his plan to take these kids that are now orphaned and give them to the S.H.I.E.L.D. for training. And Roy has real concerns about it. He doesn't think that these kids should be made into heroes, that it's a different era. So then Dustin kind of turns back time and you see the old pictures of the old heroes gathered around. And he kind of recaps about how they were just trying to do good. And then when they left the superhero business, how the Mighty Crusaders carried on and they fought villains and terrorists. And there were some that lost, like the Darkling and Doc Reeves, uh, who the Brain Emperor either crippled or killed outright. They go into some of the stories from the 80s Red Circle relaunch, where they were 
the mighty crusaders get government authorization and they get betrayed and there's a, a hints of a mole in the new crusaders a storyline that was presented in the 80s comic that wasn't resolved because of the cancellation of the line the artwork in here very reminiscent of that 80s line of comics from red circle and it is fantastic very clean very good and it's a great introduction for fans and hopefully some of the fans who read this it's not really set in here where you can go to read these but i'm hoping they'll search out those 80s comics either in the app or actually in person and actually feel them in their hands the comics as they were presented i wish that there was either notations on the panels themselves or maybe on the last or first pages with a little number and indica to indicate to the readers that you know this story here that we're talking about about the mole can be referenced in a you know the mighty crusaders issue seven or eight or whatnot so you could go back and read the full stories that they're referencing as it is now you're just kind of blindly reading it you don't know what they've added in since then and what was in the originals and it would make for new readers so much easier if they had that kind of a uh, direction if you will uh, they talk about Mr. Justice leaving and why he had to go. They talk about the bad guys, the villains, the brain emperor, his plots that were kind of left hanging. They kind of almost wrap up the entire 1980s line right up to the Deathmongers operations, the mole, the Dragon's Head gang, Delta Three, And then uh, he was stopped by the Mighty Crusaders and you just don't know why. And they use this device of Roy saying, you know, I wasn't around back then. Uh, I'm not convinced. I've been out of the loop for a long time. So Dustin says, pull up a chair, Roy. I'll tell you whatever you want to know. And that's the end of the, the prelude. And what it does is it brings you in to the next story, which will be appearing in a few weeks. And it's called The Lost Crusade, The Comet in Yesterday's Gone. And it looks like the stories will rotate around. Uh, different uh, creative teams will be working on them. There'll be one shots for the most part. And it, it looks to be very exciting. I hope that a lot of fans will go back, read those 80s lines. That's, that's really important for this uh, new Crusaders line because that's what it directly uh, is drawn off of. The, the early, older issues from the 60s and 40s, I mean, they're very niched in time. They're, some of them are very hard to read. But the 80s are very accessible, and you'll get a, more of a backstory if you read those comics. And hopefully Archie will put out some sort of reading list to tie in each one with uh, the older stories so you can get a better understanding if you're a new reader. Overall, it's a great bonus for subscribers and well worth picking up if you're doing the issue-by-issue issue, uh, spot. Uh, this is, again, not a, a standalone story of full of action and adventure, but it is a prelude that sets up future stories. So don't go into it thinking you're going to get great battles or a lot of intrigue, but it will set things up for you going forward. And for me, that's a worthwhile endeavor, and I'm glad that they did it. Thanks for joining me this episode. Before we go, I have two quick notes to share with you. First off, I've been doing some reviews and article writing for a website called firstcomicsnews.com. That's comics with an S, dot com. And I've been doing reviews every week of the newest comic books, along with some blogging about past comic events and such. If you're curious about my take on new comics and what I feel about them, feel free to swing over there and check out my reviews. Second, myself and my good friend Patrick McCrone have started an all-new podcast. It's called The 80s Comic Book Podcast, and as the title would suggest, it's devoted to nothing but the best decade in comic book history. 
If you're of a certain age, and I'm almost 40 now, you'll remember the 80s as an unbelievable time for creativity. If you're not sure, let me read off some titles that we'll be covering. We have Crisis on Infinite Earths, Man of Steel, The Dark Knight, The Nam, Sable, Nexus, Judge Dredd, The New Universe, The Watchmen, John Byrne's Fantastic Four, Chris Claremont's X-Men, The Justice League, Ambush Bug, Vietnam War Journal, Mrs. Tree, Frank Miller's run on Daredevil, The Punisher, Spider-Man's Wedding, Concrete, The Black and White Explosion, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Tick, Alien Legion, and so many more. The first episode takes a look at the first six issues of the 1984 miniseries Marvel Superhero Secret Wars. We look at all the interesting storylines, the plot points that were left dangling, and some of the craziest art poses Mike Zeck ever did. It's available now on iTunes, as well as firstcomicsnews.com. So make sure you subscribe to the 80s Comic Book Podcast and leave us some reviews on iTunes to help get our hits up. And that's another episode of the Red Circle Gazette in the can. Thanks for listening. If you want updates on Twitter, follow us at username RC underscore Gazette. If you want to email me, send an email to redcirclegazette at gmail.com. If you want to be part of the show, send me an MP3 or wave comment and I'll use it in the next episode. If you are connected to Archie Comics in any way and want to give out prizes to the listeners, I would be thrilled to give this stuff out. If you are an artist and wish to provide original art for inclusion in the podcast, send it over. All trademarks are copyright their respective owners and are most likely copyright 2012 Archie Comics. This is a fan project with no monetary component and is done in compliance with all international trademark and copyright laws. Thank you for listening.